Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Our rewatchable spinoff show on Luminary called Rewatchables 1999 is taking a little summer break, but we'll be back in the fall with more movies including Eyes Wide Shut, Never Been Kissed, and more. In the meantime, we're launching a new show on Luminary about another influential moment in 1999 called Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 99. The pod will dive deep on the iconic music festival and how its success and failures left its mark on history. The series begins on Tuesday, July 9th, and will be coming to you every Tuesday for eight weeks. So make sure to check out Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 99 on Luminary. to the Ringer NBA show. It is the day after pod. This is Chris Ryan. I'm joined by Kevin O'Connor. What up? Jonathan Sharks. What's up, guys? Producer Craig is here. We are in my hotel room in Las Vegas. It's not <laughs> as weird as it sounds. It's weirder. <laughs> it's weirder. We are talking about the day after the mega Kawhi Leonard Paul George acquisition by the Los Angeles Clippers. And the ripple effects are already starting to be felt. Kevin and I recorded last night at 11.30 p.m. when the deal first went down. We were reeling then. I'm still reeling now. <laughs> um, and Bill did a pod today with Chris Mannix. John and Kevin both wrote on The Ringer. Kevin wrote about how Kawhi Leonard pretty much just def- changed our definition of what is possible in the NBA and talks a little bit about the fits of what Kawhi and Paul George might look like together, What's gonna what this means for the Lakers, what it means for the Raptors, what it means for the Thunder. And John wrote about player power, and Kawhi Leonard basically using LeBron's playbook against him, mm-hmm. more or less. So those are both really fascinating pieces. You can check out on the ringer.com now. I wanted to talk to these guys because as we were as I was getting into Vegas today, it kind of the, the Russell Westbrook stuff started to trickle out. So not only have there been reports, there was reports last night that uh Sam Presti, when faced with the prospect of losing Paul George, because Kawhi Leonard had been heavily recruiting George over the course of the week to join him. Presti tried to make a counteroffer basically to Toronto to say Westbrook and George for a package that's centered around Pascal Siakam. Uh, Masai Ujiri from Toronto, whether or not he thought that was basically he was being used as leverage against Clippers, we don't know yet. That stuff will eventually come out and as told two sources say pieces. But uh, the first, this is the first time we've ever sort of seen the possibility that Russell Westbrook could leave the Thunder. And then today, ESPN reporting that Westbrook and his agent are in talks with the Thunder about what to do next. What's the next chapter? And for the first time, it looks like that 11-year relationship could be coming to an end and that Westbrook could be on the block, which would signal, presumably, a full rebuild in Oklahoma City. So guys, let's start. Kevin, start with you. What's your initial sort of reaction to these reports about Westbrook? It makes total sense. It's the right move. Uh, with that package you got for Paul George, you you have now a foundation that is not yours that you can build upon mm-hmm. um, from the Clippers. But with Westbrook, it's like, what is the realistic path to building a winning team around him? Are you getting Bradley Beal for some of the picks that you got in addition to other assets? Unrealistic. Billy Donovan reunion. Yeah, are, are, right? are you going for Kevin Love? Is he going to really elevate Russell Westbrook with the UCLA reunion? I don't think so. Also, if you weren't going to be able to afford George Adams and Westbrook, how are you going to afford to pay love? Exactly. Maybe Blake Griffin, more LA guys meeting up. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma guy. Yeah, right. And, exactly. and, I, and like the Pistons probably aren't dealing him. So I, I think the reasonable thing to do is to at least explore the market for Russell Westbrook and see what you can get and then go full rebuild. Charks, there's a way that Oklahoma City can fashion a narrative out of this that sounds like 
basically like we're going to do the best that we can to put Westbrook in a winning position. He's given so much to this organization. We're in a different place now. He still has a lot to give a team. We're going to try and send him somewhere where he can be valuable. Do you think that that's what we're going to see in the coming weeks? I mean, whatever they can sell to the fans. I've always been a big uh, SGA guy, the, cl- the guy they got from the Clippers, Shea Gilles-Alexander. Yeah. I think he has legit all-star potential. I love that trade, just for that piece. I think you give Shea the keys, you start over, could you, and that's could, a building could block. Could he still reach his potential playing in a backcourt with Westbrook? He's a point guard. Uh, no, you know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not okay. the best habits probably to learn either. No, definitely. I think for, you know, Shea, like, he, you loved him in the draft. Yeah. And like He's somebody who, in year one, improved constantly on the offensive end of the floor, making steady progress. And his defense is already really, really good for a rookie, and that's something you and can't he's so for. smart for a rookie. He never makes mistakes. He takes care of the ball so well, takes good shots. Yes. And he's it, huge. And, and so for Oklahoma City, it's the type of thing where it's like, you have a point guard now that you can replace him and facilitate development of whatever other whatever other young players that you got in return for Russell Westbrook. So for them, I think you have a foundation to build upon now yeah. with the picks, with Gildas Alexander, and then Gallinari as well. He's a veteran player on an expiring contract, but whether you keep him through the year or try to flip him, you have some solid players here. It's just not going to be like total garbage. I mean, Gallo's a guy on the right team make a huge difference. He'll probably get moved too. They'll Gal gets you something really nice in return. What I mean, you could put together a package of Shea and Gal. You could reroute Shea and Gallo, and it meets Beal's salary. If you want, if if the Thunder thought that they could still get in the mix and replace Beal with George, which I don't necessarily think t- takes them out of any of the the luxury tax concerns that the team had. I guess the the thing that's going to be interesting is whether or not they send up the white flag and say everything except for Shea is pretty much for sale here. Or are they going to try and say, no, we want to maintain a competitive team. We want to try and be competitive. We maybe want to even try to entice Westbrook to stay. I mean, they got him for like, what, four or five more years? Not really much of a concern. Do you no, I mean, but that, that, but like, look, they had Paul George for two years, and apparently all it took was one phone call for him and Aaron Mintz to convince Presti he needed to be traded to the Clippers. And also, by the way, it wouldn't be the first time that Russell, there were rumblings, at least, that Russell Westbrook would potentially want out after Kevin Durant left that July in 2016. There was at least a little bit of quiet noise that maybe Russell Westbrook, before signing that contract, he took the bag, though, right? He did take it. Yeah. Exactly. But now it's the type of thing where if there is no path to add a Bradley Beal and have a chance of, you know, making some noise in the postseason, maybe at that point, Russ is like, you know what? I do want to go somewhere else. The, the problem is, is like how many homes is there for Russell Westbrook? So, so few teams need a point guard. So few teams have the assets or the, the, the salaries to put together a package for a $40 million point guard who, by the way, you know, is like really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> but Russell Westbrook, has some serious flaws in his game. I'm not sure he's the guy that I mean, at his age, when he's about to be the wrong side of 30, that you want to invest a whole bunch of assets. And so how much is really out there for Westbrook? Kevin, Wait. I'm glad you asked because that's the next topic I want to talk about is what the Westbrook market is. But John, did you have a I was going to say, like, what stars? Like, I got to call Russ. I got to get Russ on my team. Well, that's George was 18 case. months ago. Like, it, like last there, year. And that didn't George last very long. There's got to be guys. At a Are there guys who think the there one Westbrook There's got to be guys. Russell Westbrook is a huge name. Yeah. And, and like, he's a really good player. It's like, that's the thing where, like, a lot of basketball media or basketball Twitter is like, oh, he's so inefficient. He sucks. Like, Westbrook's an icon. Like, and I, yeah. I'm not even speaking as a, a valid Russ fan. 
fan and I could give a shit well, if he misses every shot he takes. I still like watching Do you him think play. Kawhi would be like, man, I want Russ on my team to hold Not, the ball? Maybe not Kawhi. Me. No, but Kawhi, we're going to get to Kawhi, <laughs> the GM, because he might be like the second or third best GM in the NBA. <laughs> no doubt. Best. Kawhi is a, but oh my I, I just think that like Westbrook carries sway and I think also Westbrook carries mm-hmm. sway with a younger generation mm-hmm. of guys too. No who doubt. Who grew up watching him or entering the league or have just entered the league. It, so it's something definitely to keep an eye on. There are a couple of places out there and look, now we have to sort of change our thinking about transactions because I think what we've seen with Miami and Butler, what we've seen with what the Clippers were able to do here, you can't just look at it as like, and I think you mentioned this last night, Kev, you just don't think about cap space. Think about think about what you can do. Don't worry about the cap space because yeah. cap you can find cap space. You can clear cap space. You can get somebody to take your crap if you need to open up that space sure. if you're willing to sweeten the deal enough. Now, I think that the team that makes the most sense on a kind of personality basis on a, on like a soul recognizing it's 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 counterpoint way is Miami. I think that Westbrook as a warrior athlete who competes every single night, I think that he would fit in that culture right now. I would notice I'm not saying he's necessarily their cup of tea in terms of like his shot selection or, you know, some of the mistakes he makes towards the end of the game. But this is a guy who's played his entire professional career uh, for the Thunder uh, with two coaches, with Billy Donovan and Scott Brooks. So we don't know what he would look like in a Spolster system. And I think that that kind of player is the kind of player that Pat Riley would want to bring in. But see, Chris, here's my question. Jimmy just forced his way out of Minnesota, forced his way out of Philadelphia, gets to be the man. He gets to run point. Now he wants to bring another point guard to hold the, take the ball away from him. I feel like Jimmy wouldn't yeah. go for that. I think so, for sure. You I, think so? I, I, Jimmy wanted to live in Miami with his buddies. Like, but it, he also like, gets to be the man there instead of having Simmons I, I, I think that's a little bit less. I think Jimmy just wanted to be in Miami. Whether like, or not, like, but, but like, yeah. And I think both of you could be right at the same time. Like Butler... Butler has shown himself to be pre-mercurial when it comes to his moods. Like he can be all in on some, a project and then lose interest in a project and make a lot of problems. And th- that's probably what would end up happening. It's like he'd be super excited about Russell Westbrook. Like, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think there would be any doubt in his eyes about joining forces with Russ. So it's just about, uh, over time. Then, then that would settle in where it's like, oh, this isn't going to work. It'd be a two. <laughs> it'd be a two alpha instead of the three alphas. Yeah. Right. Now, <laughs> what could Miami put together? Well, a package of Dragic. Uh, James Johnson and Justice Winslow works with a Ooh. bunch of future picks. And after yeah, I don't even know what Miami still has in the cupboard, but I think that you basically, I, I have the idea of like, I guess, well, could they, do they have any well, picks to trade? They already are giving out their 2021 and their 2023. So the, the soonest they could be able to pick is a pick swap in 2020. Okay. The Thunder, you yeah. basically get off Dragic and Johnson. I think next year, maybe Johnson's two years. And then you have Winslow who is, you know, a well-regarded player who you could put next to Gilgis Alexander. Bam Adebayo in there too. Maybe Bam. As well, yeah. Yeah, you right, get yeah. Bam and Winslow, right. that would be a great way, And that way it's like, you just strip it down. You're Ooh, saying yeah. like, we're starting, we're starting over. We're getting money coming off the books. If you can, Hear sounds in the background. That's just the sounds of Vegas, man. Chris has a lot of fans it. who follow him around. Yeah, I heard them at 3 30 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. after I'm not expecting night. to sleep very well today. <laughs> but here's, you know, and, and I think that so there's Miami, right? And I think we all agree that Miami would culturally be a fit for Westbrook. I could see him really thriving in a heat uniform. I think the Miami Heat fans would love him. There's another option here. And that's the Charlotte Hornets. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Ooh. It's a franchise that's reeling with the loss of Kemba Walker, it. are tied up with a bunch of bad contracts, mm. probably are not a free agent destination. Sell some tickets. Kind of stuck in neutral, needed to have some, maybe some name value. They love it in yes. Vegas. They love my <laughs> fake trades. <laughs> I'm saying that 
I, you can make this happen for Kid Gilchrist, Biombo, and Marvin Williams. And then you sweeten that pot with picks Bunch if necessary. Picks. Yeah. Malik Monk. There Could is you get a, like Miles Bridges for him? I, I would, would probably do, do Malik or something like that yeah. if I was if I was Cup Chack or whatever. But let's just say you'd send that package. They get the last shot at the Michael Kidd Gilchrist reclamation project. <laughs> you get Biombo and Marvin coming off the books. And then you get Jumpman. I think that's the main thing, Jumpman, yeah. Getting their, one of their signature mm. athletes playing for Michael Jordan's team. What's your reaction to that? I mean, they can compete for the 6, 7, 8 yeah. seed again. Yeah. <laughs> Sell some Instagram tickets, man. Heck get, yeah. Get those two playoff games of revenue. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Mike uh, come to the games, watch Russ. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for Charlotte, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, you get off those contracts, bring in a new, new face of the franchise. And like for Charlotte, had they re-signed Kemba Walker, there was a path for them to create cap space yeah. in 21 and yeah. 22. And like maybe like you don't sign anybody because it's Charlotte, but with Russell Westbrook, maybe you're you know you're in a position where a guy wants to go play with him. I don't I don't know. Like having a star there, the hardest thing to find is a superstar. Um, but he can lure a second star. There. I love that for Charlotte. That makes sense for them. It does. Yeah, I mean, other than that, there the the deals are few and far between for someone with Westbrook's price tag. I mean, this is the same thing that we're talking about with Blake Griffin. If John Wall were even still at his, maybe not peak, but were in like the end of his prime and hadn't suffered some catastrophic injuries, I still think that Wall would have come with the same difficulties of moving him because of his Mm -hmm. contract. Am I right? Like, I I, I think that that's sort of the big deal here with the Supermax guys. What about the Knicks, though? What about the Knicks? Like, who could the Knicks? What what's what kind of package? They have plenty they of cap space. No, they, they 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 well not now. It would be December fifteenth. They could. So okay, December, so they would have to. That would have to yeah. wait. So if they wanted to, you mean if they were going to trade for Russ? Yeah. Okay. So like, what would the package be? Something with all Bobby the guys? Portis and like Alonzo Trier, Pina Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, maybe one pick. I don't know. They can make a package pretty quick, pretty easily. I think New York would be interesting, right? I mean, you have Russ in a big market with a star. Yeah, I mean, for them, like I know they want to build for twenty twenty one. Maybe Russ can be part of that. But we've seen a star um, in hand is important for other stars to come. Yeah, you gotta have that yeah. first star there. Yeah. If I'm them, I'm building slow. If I'm any team, I'm building slow. Well, I I'm think it'd be good for Russ, your guy RJ to learn from Russ. Really learn Russ's oh, approach to the game. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> the, the team that stand out to me stand out to me is Minnesota. Um, their new general Ooh. manager Gerson Rosas uh, said in an interview somewhere today um, how they're not done trying to build. They're going to be continue to be aggressive. Wiggins? So after missing out on D'Angelo uh, Russell, maybe you can find a, a new home for Andrew Wiggins with a whole bunch of draft picks. They have all of their future picks intact. And like pairing Carl Anthony Towns, maximizing his window, his, his incoming prime with Russell Westbrook. They're one of the teams where there's very few teams that I, I, if I'm the general manager, I would want to trade for Russell Westbrook. But if I'm the Minnesota Timberwolves, mm. when they're giving up Andrew Wiggins, just this albatross contract, with Russell Westbrook, at least you get a real shot with him and Towns. Like that pick and roll combination could be deadly. I think worth pointing out. So Westbrook's never had a stretch five like that. Yeah, Westbrook needs a stretch five. That never. actually is super interesting. If you're the Timberwolves, though, if you're Gerson, do you would you prefer Westbrook or D'Angelo Russell? I take D'Angelo. Yeah, it's just you can't younger now, because you gone. match it up. And him with, and Cat are like really good friends yeah, too, which is it's nice. It's all gone now though. Yeah, you, you so you don't do think it. that they can get back in a D'Angelo trade auction if, if they uh, maybe if up? they had like Culver I mean, or Kogi and some picks. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Fascinating. Okay, so the Westbrook market it remains to be seen how real it is or how Oklahoma, frankly, is going to react. They haven't come out and said, "Okay, we're we're like this is the deal for our fans who bought season tickets." Expect some hard I mean, times in the coming There are years. one team town in pro sports. They'll come to the game. So I It'll think I fine. agree with you, but it is interesting to consider the fact that 
this has been a pretty much since what 2010 they, they've been really competitive yeah. you know they've been in and, in and around they've had some huge names in town they've lost three of them now and they are on the verge of possibly losing the fourth and, and probably the most iconic player in franchise history. Do you feel like that shakes this franchise at all? I mean, what do you do with a market like Oklahoma? Okay, actually, I have some takes about this as a Texas guy. So Oklahoma, there's kind of a victim mentality they have. Like people, <laughs> oh, they're not giving us enough credit. They're always hating on UT. And it's like, you know what? They'll probably like, you know what? No one's giving us credit. The stars don't like us. We have a chip on our shoulder. Let's get in like TJ McConnell. They'd love that in Oklahoma. They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean- you think about this last year and a half, or really last two seasons, definitely this last season though for the Clippers. Like this is one of the best years for a Clippers fan in quite a while. I yeah. know, like from talking to Isaac Lee and other people I know who like the Clippers, it's like this gritty team that was fun to watch that had hope. It, what's what's really fun in the NBA is like having hope to root for. Like it, it, you can have star players, but sometimes you can have star players and you can have no hope uh, moving forward, whether it's for a championship, whatever your goals are. But with a young team, Oklahoma City could still put fans in the seats with Shea Gildas, Alexander, and whatever they were to get for Russ and whatever draft picks they make and all the possibilities that they would have with their picks. That is something to root for and something to get excited about. What, what they have now with Westbrook is a team that's going to continue to flame out. Yeah. And then, by the way, this team might not even make the postseason. The team as currently yeah, constituted exactly. with so Gallinari it's like, and everybody. No yeah. doubt. So it's like this team was barely made the postseason last year. Yeah. And move, now they lost their their best player in Paul George. Right now, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of paths to having I do fun times or I success or whatever you want to call it. Gallo could give them some interesting Until he gets there. hurt 40 games in. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I love Gallo. He had a good like, year last year. I know, but he still, healthy? Yeah, right? He still only played like 60-ish games. I, I, I love Gallo, and I – I mean, it's just a shame he, he's gotten hurt because he's been so good ever since he was with Denver. He had a great year last year for, for there's, uh, there's, the Clips. There's so few guys who are six foot yeah. ten who can run pick and roll and see. I'm do saying all the to me, like you it's send Gallo to like Portland or something like that. That's little, that'd really nice, interesting. Yeah. I think Gallo could really actually shake the balance he, of power more than he's one. He's one of those pieces. Really, you, you, yeah, yeah, he can yeah, help a good he, team. He's one of those pieces. Like he fits in or anywhere. Bradley Beal, Danilo Gallinari, yeah. Kevin Love, one of these guys that a team in this wide open league is going to be like. He's the piece. Yeah, he's, he's the like piece. the good version of Miritich. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. Like exactly. he's the he's the like the the cockier, more athletic. Better Dude, get him in Milwaukee, he'd be killing it. And he's on uh, an expiring contract, so no long-term commitment. Right. And so there's the bonus there in that. You mentioned the Clippers and the high life that they're living. Apparently, like, as I mentioned, Kawhi essentially conducted an orchestra while we weren't looking oh or while goodness. we had no idea. What a gangster, man. Basically, <sighs> uh, after <laughs> having awesome. taken some calls from Magic, asking some questions about Palenka. This is all in reports in various places from Ramona Shelburne, LA Times. A bunch of people have been talking about this over the last 24 hours. Well, really only 12 hours because we did the podcast last <laughs> yeah, night. It feels, it feels like, like it's yeah, been like three days. It feels like it's like a week. But, uh, you know, basically that Kawhi was running like almost a counterintelligence operation <laughs> against the Lakers where he was moving meetings from El Segundo to Westlake. And first it was just going to be Jeannie, but then it was Jeannie and Rob Palinka, And then it was a respectful two hour meeting, but that Kawhi barely talked. And in all the while he's meeting with Paul George and some other location to sort of orchestrate this whole thing. And Aaron Mintz then goes to Sam Presti and says, this is what we want to do. Can you make it happen? Yeah. He's a Kawhi Sose right there, man. Let's making all the moves. I, I mean, I, I'm blown away by the precision. And, you know, as we were, as I was going to sleep last night, I was just sort of thinking about how the, like the Clippers, I think I underrated the Clippers last night when we did the mm -hmm. podcast. I mm -hmm. think I was like 
I, I had not yet considered the fact that they've got basically two guys at every position. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for them, it's the type of thing like last night I mentioned the depth early on the podcast <laughs> and you're like, no, it's about the stars here, but it's also about the depth. Yeah. It's like what they built, the, the infrastructure that they had, the Clippers had a team that could be good for a long time without Kawhi Leonard. If he goes to Toronto, stays in Toronto or goes to the Lakers, Clippers are going to be a nice team for quite a while. Um, but adding the two stars to that core they gave up everything in their future with all their picks. But all they, the present stuff, But yeah. yeah, they already have so much with their mixture of youth, Shamit, Jerome Robinson, uh, and Montrez Harrell, who has one year left on his deal with the veterans that they have on team-friendly contracts. The Clippers are one of the most enviable franchises in the league before getting Kawhi yeah. Leonard. I think they're and the that, favorites now. Now they're the favorites, I think they're the favorites. Exactly. I, yeah. I mean, looking at that roster, I was just stunned, and I thought about what a just – what a gut punch it must have been for so many GMs, so many franchises out there. Not just the Lakers, who were apparently were not were blindsided by, obviously the not necessarily even the move to the Clippers as much as the orchestration of bringing George to the Clippers with him. Apparently, uh, according to the Los Angeles Times, according to one person familiar with their thinking, there being the Lakers, they had no idea that the Clippers and Raptors were attempting to trade for George to give Leonard his desired teammate. <laughs> and that's that's a really tough beat. You also look at teams like Utah, Denver, the Lakers, uh, you know, teams that must have been feeling pretty good about themselves heading into next season, Houston, maybe even Dallas in some extent, like teams that were like, but I mean, teams that were probably fired up for the season to begin and were feeling really good about a wide open league, especially if Kawhi stayed in Toronto and Paul George was on the thunder and they were looking at a world where maybe two stars was enough in the Western conference or a really good, deep, well-rounded team was enough. And now you know, I, I think that the Clippers have to be considered the prohibitive favorites. And because of that depth, what we were talking about last night was like the Lakers wanted to add that third star because they need to distribute the load among uh, the LeBron and Anthony Davis because otherwise you're going to be asking for so much from these well, two guys. Well, they did guys. Alex Caruso. Oh, they that's him. right. So they I guess actually let's, <laughs> we're going to book the parade for LA no matter what. We just don't know what colors it's going to be in. But what do you guys think about the the state of the Western Conference in general now after after having some time to See, digest the Clippers? What I'm th- I go back to I'm looking at big picture. You're in a, you're in a playoff series. Who who can guard Kawhi and Paul George? You could like Denver, Utah, Houston. There's no big wings in those teams. And then for they the, guard two of those guys. And then now. for the Clippers, they have they can play multiple ways. You can play with your traditional big with Zubats against the Jokic's of the world. You can have your rim running guy who's a little bit more switchable and Harrell. If they re-sign Jermichael Green, they can yeah, play small good. if they want to. The Clippers can play any single and way that they want Lou to. Lou Williams, and, third option. Yeah, they can. Di- the Clippers are one of those teams that can dictate the way in which the other, the opponent puts uh, lineups on the floor or they can react accordingly to whatever another like, team is doing. I don't even see a thing they need on this roster. Like what's the missing piece they even need to bring in? No, there's there's not much. It's, it's like, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to imagine unless some sort of like catastrophic frontline injury rash hits them or something like that. And as we've seen, like those guys like Greg Monroe's of the world are around. Like they could probably go find somebody like that at some point during the season and bring in a veteran. I guess, you know, I, I, I'm just blown away by the precision with which they were able to move in such a short period of time. But I'm still trying to wrap my head around how. And how did this Paul George trade specifically happen? What was the... I know that that it's basically... It almost reminds me of the Darren Williams trade when the Jazz traded Darren Williams out of nowhere to Brooklyn or New Jersey at the time, uh, I believe, to... And it was basically like out of nowhere, middle of the night, and it was like... Utah was never going to have as much leverage as they did at that point before the story got out that Darren Williams wanted to leave Utah. So they struck 
when no one else was the, out there saying like, oh, well, this guy wants to leave anyway, so I'll give you like 50 cents on the dollar for him. So Oklahoma City took advantage of that same kind of trying to turn a crisis into an opportunity mm-hmm. situation. But at the same time, I'm just not sure I understand what was like, what was the motivation to do this deal and and help Leonard set up his super team in the same conference. So what I'm thinking is, well, OKC and luxury tax the last two years has paid like incredible amounts of money. Like in the 40s, right? Like the, yeah. No owner for like the next five years is going to pay that much luxury tax for a first round loss team. It's just not practical, <laughs> right? At some point, you got to cut the budget. I think they're like, okay, we got to start over because it's too expensive for an average team. It's pretty obvious for, for them. It's like, yeah, this is a team that has a, a ceiling with Russell Westbrook as the best player on the team or one of the two best players on the team. So I think the incentive was this just massive haul that they got. Gildas Alexander is a really, really mm-hmm. bright young point guard who's already good on defense and getting better on offense. Then the, the we talked about Gallinari, who they can flip already, and all the picks. I think... It's like it was reported last night that like they had no choice. Uh, well, they they had a choice and they chose to take the assets. So yes. it's, they chose the path yeah. where they can rebuild, cut costs, and play this out slow and build build something up again. I and, mean, it's almost like they got a way out of this team. This whole situation gave yeah. them a way out. Yeah, I think that they have traditionally had a different kind of um, like kind of vibe to that franchise where I think that that you thought like even though they did do a lot of moves and make a lot of moves and have had a lot of roster tur- turnover there was a sort of an assumption I think I I, I kind of blindly assumed that they were just going to keep running into the wall with Westbrook until Westbrook retired you know what I mean so it's sort of <laughs> it's sort of yeah. crazy to imagine them having like a long look in the mirror and be like this is it this well, is as good as we're going to be with this roster and when we say this roster we know we mean Westbrook and obviously Westbrook and his agent see that too. Well, remember who processed first? It was Sam Presti in Seattle. He dumped Rashard Lewis and Ray Allen and went ground zero, got four, yeah. five, five picks. He's done it before. Yeah, it's different now in today's league with the new lottery odds. So, mm-hmm. you know, granted, they didn't have a number one pick, uh, you know, besides KD going second. Yeah. Um, for them, it, yeah, it just makes total sense to me. To me, it's like, it's not even a conversation. It's like, yes, you should explore rebuilding by trading Russell Westbrook. The question is going to be, what is actually out there for him? Yes. Is there something that is worth blowing it up here? There may not be. They, they may find that there's not a market for Russell Westbrook because as you mentioned earlier, even if John Wall were healthy, it's the salary that makes him hard to move. Mm-hmm. It's the same as that conversa- conversation now with Westbrook. Is there a team out there that is in a position where they need a point guard? There's not a lot of teams that do. Is there a team that is desperate enough to trade for a guy that's his age, making the money that he does, and that has shown the 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 that his runway runs out at some point in the postseason? Is there a team out there? Minnesota, maybe Charlotte, Miami. Uh, there's not many. I, the danger not of many. trading for Russell, uh, trading Russell Westbrook to Miami, is if you make Miami good for the next four years. That impacts your 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 pick value that you got from LA because a couple of those picks belong to Miami, yeah, right? That's and that's the thing is like I I hear what you're saying about you had to do it because this is such an incredible haul and it it kind of eclipses what the Lakers gave the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. But on the other hand, those picks could be fit in the 15 to 20s to 25 range in the next few years. And I know that we're going to get a double draft. We're going to start seeing more kids coming into the league in the years to come. And these picks extend all the way to like what, 2026 or whatever. So by that point, presumably the Clippers will have probably slowed down their machine a little bit. But what happens to your franchise though? If Paul George is like, you know, hell bent to to the Sam Amick's original report Mm -hmm. that he wanted LA. If Paul George is hell bent on going to the Clippers, what happens to your franchise when you're like, no, 
we're not trading you. And then, and then him and Russell Westbrook are having conversations. Do they just, you know, get past this? Maybe they do. And maybe you go into the season, you flame out in the first round again and everything's fine. You're selling playoff tickets and fans are filling the seats, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe there's an issue that arises here from Paul George one year after committing to Oklahoma City wanting to bounce. And maybe you're running into an issue here where the closer his free agency comes, he can become a free agent in 2021. His value diminishes in this trade, which is just outrageous. It's the biggest return ever for a superstar ever. That's not going to be there. So yeah. th- I think they had to do it now, and it was the right choice to make. And I think the other thing, if you're trying to move up, move around this team, you can't move Steven Adams, really. I mean, you can't move Dennis Schroeder. There's not many movable contracts. $52 million for the next two years for Adams. Nobody wants Schroeder for yeah, there's just like they were just, They were really boxed in. And I think with George, so after his first year, he's like, okay, we had Mel, it didn't work. Year two. My shoulder. Yeah, he's like, okay. then in year two, he's like, ah, oh, this team isn't going to get it done. Like, I feel like I don't even know second if it was years, that, Charles, I think it was also like Kawhi called. Yeah, when Kawhi and calls, you got to listen. This is one thing that, one of, the, one of the things that we need to like really get accustomed to. And I think even the finals, and this is maybe more of a, a statement about how we can sometimes be distracted more by the off-court stuff than the on-court stuff. But whatever you, if you didn't learn in the finals that Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the league, you're learning it now that he's one of the most powerful. Because this is a guy who got his way out of San Antonio with, what, two seasons left on his deal or a full season left mm-hmm. on his deal and sat for most of the, this, the season before that. <laughs> and then was traded out of San Antonio to Toronto. Won a friggin' NBA title in Toronto. Took his free agency, signed with the Clippers, and orchestrated a deal for another guy who had two years <laughs> left on his deal. Who yeah. seemed happy as a clam a couple weeks ago and was like, I love Russ. Everything's fine. We're going to give it another shot. I was injured. Uh, Tough break. And last summer was smoking cigars in in Oklahoma City and it was Paul George Day and he was was jacked to be there. Kawhi was able to pry that guy loose. The Clippers could have signed Paul George last summer. You know, to say nothing of the Lakers could have signed Paul George last summer. I can't get over the fact that like we're now in a world where like two years left on a deal is essentially a pre-free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're never, you're never pre or post-free agency. You're always in flux now. That's just the world we live in. And you said in your piece, John, like you were like, oh, the, the playbook, the playbook, it's LeBron's playbook from 2014. Man, I think we should start calling it the Kawhi playbook. He did it better. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, the Kawhi playbook is if you don't like your situation, there's always something you can do about it. It's basically the player version of what we were saying about teams being like, if you don't like your cap space, there's always something you can do about sure. it. Sure. I mean, there's always ways create cap space by trading assets in order to create it. It's like, it's just not easy all the time. It's like, you want to be flexible and have tradable salaries. You don't want to have albatrosses that you, that you want to flip, but if you have them, you can. And like, that's what we might find out with a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves. You have Andrew Wiggins. It was a mistake signing him for the money you did, but an opportunity arises and maybe you're able to get Russell Westbrook. Who knows? I think if you talk about the playbook, the next guy really is it Giannis. Like who does Giannis Mm -hmm. want to play with? Giannis can play with Luca and Dallas. It'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's... We got your brother on the team. It's, it's cool. funny with Giannis. It's like the, the decisions that they made this summer, you're, they're sort of locked into this now. It's like they they box themselves into it this fe- team. That felt very LeBron-ish. The way that Giannis was like, I want this team to come back. You know, he he let it be known. And maybe that was like his public stance and maybe his private stance was a little bit more malleable, mm-hmm. but... He let let it be known that he, he wanted to run it he back. He couldn't be happy about losing Brogdon, no. which, I mean, you, know, you wrote about him as one of the, the, the biggest signings of the summer with Indiana. Like that backcourt with Victor Oladipo, that's that's Milwaukee's loss now. And Brogdon was maybe the second best player on that team for large portions of the season and definitely during the playoffs. You know what it kind of feels like? kind of feels like Kawhi's LeBron and Giannis is KD. 
How so? So Giannis just lost one of his big players, his Harden and Brogdon. Kawhi went to the super team in LA instead of Miami. Now, now Giannis got to beat Giannis got to beat Kawhi in the finals. Mm-hmm. In two years, maybe loses to Kawhi two times in a row. He's like, I gotta get another asset. Well, I mean, like mm-hmm. you, you better. I, I would if I were the Milwaukee Bucks, I would really hope to at least get to the finals next year because yeah. if you lose to a Sixers or a Celtics or somehow a Brooklyn or or somebody in the playoffs, and you have another really good regular season under Buttonholzer that everybody feels good about, and you lose again in the playoffs. That that look like. You might say that we're being alarmist. What's alarmist in the NBA? See, I think they're the favorites though in the East, Milwaukee, right I, now. I, I'd pick Philly. Really? Yeah, I think Philly, over yeah. Simmons over Giannis. And not Simmons over Giannis, but Simmons I think it and would have to be. and you know, Al Horford and, and so on and so forth. I feel like Josh it's going to be Simmons I don't know. Did Giannis. you see Zaire Smith today? I'm <laughs> running on him soon, Chris. I have some Zaire Smith takes for you. Yeah, I mean, we got Thibel and Smith. You get just bring us the rings. Phil, Philly has both. I, I mean, I really like Thibel. I, I think they no, have. I, I'm like, trust yeah, me, I'm so, getting a so like, tattoo I, I think Philly has, the, yeah. Philly has a star power and the depth. Yeah. Uh, Milwaukee has Giannis. And, and I mean, who's going to close games for Philly, though, when it comes down to we'll it? We'll find out over time. Ben's what do you, think, jack what do you think the vibe is in the East? We talked about how the Western Conference and maybe a team like Utah, maybe a team like Denver was like, we felt so good about ourselves they a should, week ago. They should feel good, though. Yeah. Like, the Clippers are the favorite, but you mentioned that they're prohibitive favorite. I don't, I wouldn't go that far. They're the favorite in my eyes. And, you know, I'd pick them to win the finals today, but the, the margin is not so significant where this is like Hampton five oh, warriors see. or, or heatles like they are favorites but not so far away that the the gap is so significant that you need two injuries to have any hope to me with the matchups for houston and utah specifically it really hurts them because they're such small perimeter teams houston starts pj tucker at the four Harden to the three eric gordon the two they're tiny All due respect, is, it, I think. is it too early for matchups I mean, like it's all about matchups. Man. It's the playoffs. I know, but they're not done building. It's only July. I mean, so who do you think guys can guard Kawhi? What did Houston do to get, get interesting? <laughs> I think for them, like they've already shown that they want another star. Yeah. So it's like if Bradley Beal is somebody who sometime, somehow becomes available, you're going to try to go for him. You're going to try to go for the next guy. I mean, do you think Beal's available? Uh, no, he's not. I don't understand that. They, they just need to give Tommy Shepard the job. <laughs> and just like, I thought he had it. Gentleman. I mean, he's, he's the interim. He's the interim. So, yeah. I mean, if you're in the Eastern Conference right now, I, yeah, like I, I think that there's a there's an air of excitement. I think that there was an idea that the East could be the new West. It was the new Power Conference. It had all this interesting <laughs> star power. Durant's going to be there next year. He's going to be hanging out in Brooklyn this year, getting better. Got Kyrie back in in, in in Brooklyn, Kemba in Boston, Philly retooled, Milwaukee looks See, good. I just think Milwaukee-Philly is going to be an awesome oh, rivalry. I, That's I'm, exciting. I'm psyched to watch it. I just think... I, I'm I'm just kind of like wondering whether or not we've got ourselves I, I, a new a new dominant force. But K, KOC is, is talking me down off the ledge a little bit here. But I mean, they're going to be great. Yeah, they're going to be awesome. They're probably going to be the one seed. But I don't think they're so far removed from a Utah, another team that has star power, but also has like really strong depth too. Well, one going to be a competitive series. One of the things I wanted to end on before I let you guys go is like let's talk a little bit about about the Lakers who, Reese, who signed uh, KCP la- late last night. Re-upped Rondo today. The band is back and together. Brought in uh, oh, re-upped Alex Caruso, yeah, so Marcus Cousins, and then <laughs> yeah, finally yeah. brought in Demarcus Cousins, <laughs> yeah. who apparently was uh, garnering interest from Miami, but Anthony Davis recruited Cousins to come to Los Angeles. Interesting. So the Lakers remain super talented. They have two of the best six players in the mm-hmm. league. Uh, so do the Clippers. Uh, it makes Los Angeles well, pretty much the center of the basketball university. Maybe maybe Paul yeah, George is yeah, top ten. Yeah, How about yeah. that? That's uh, two of the best two way yeah, players yeah. in the league. Um, for the Lakers, does this deal somehow? Does the George Leonard deal somehow signal the? 
the like truly the last act of LeBron's career that he wasn't able to get either of these guys. I don't think so. You still got Anthony Davis. Yeah, you got Anthony Davis. They, they like you said, they have two of the top players in the game. I think for the Lakers, that's one of the reasons why I'm not saying that the Clippers are prohibitive favorites. That's the true. Lakers, Lakers yeah. have LeBron, that, that, LeBron James, and Anthony point. Davis here. AD, like, forget about last season. He was a legitimate MVP caliber candidate the year before, and LeBron James, like. I think some of the talk about him like being uh, declining significantly is ridiculous. He's still had an unbelievable season playing 50-ish games. LeBron James in the postseason is ultimately all that matters. And, and like for the Lakers getting into the playoffs, great. They're going to be a postseason team with these two stars. It's about wh- what do these guys do in the playoffs? And when you're trimming the rotation of six, seven, eight guys, you have two of the best players in the world mm. on your team. And we'll see what they add over the course of the year. If they're able to add other guys who are ring chasing over the course of the year, they get waived. What happens to Iguodala? Is Memphis unable to trade him? And at some point, are they forced to waive him? Who really knows how the year develops? Like these teams are incomplete right now. So it's, it's hard to talk about what's going to happen in the playoffs and how matchups are because these teams are going to change. Injuries are going to happen. Guys are going to force their way out of new teams. So for the Lakers though, what they do have is two of the top guys in the game and like they are still a championship contending team. It doesn't matter what the Clippers did. The the West and the entire league is going to be just an insane dogfight. And I'm stoked. Like to me, I'm, I'm more excited for the NBA season than I was, oh, I was yesterday was morning. Yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, like it, yeah. it's going to be just Absolutely awesome. Because you still have, I mean, you have a, while the Clippers are, are 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 maybe in the lead now, you still have the Lakers, you still have a Blazers team that must be feeling good about themselves. Oh, yeah. You have a Utah team that, well, two weeks ago we were like, Utah might be the favorite for the Western Conference right now. A Denver team that has to be feeling good about themselves. A Houston team that has James Harden, who's come in, whatever, top two of the last three MVPs and won once. You know, right. I I feel like that we have such an incredible embarrassment of riches, and this is the great thing about like just a little bit of league parity. I'm so glad, so not good. against the Lakers, but I'm just really excited that he didn't go to the Lakers, that Kawhi didn't go to the Lakers, and kind of make the regular season into a dress rehearsal. Even the perception of that potential super team, like even if they had a weaker weaker uh, bench, weaker core, but alongside their big three the perception of them having those three stars would have just changed the way we view the That's season. True. Yeah. And the one thing I'll double back on, talking about Anthony Davis, his playoff numbers are insane. Yeah. He's, He's only played in the playoffs twice, played the Warriors both times, and the one non-Warriors series, he absolutely demolished the Blazers. Really? Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, he just destroyed them. And like, you think about the Clippers, like who's going to guard Anthony Davis? No one guards That's Anthony Davis. That's the great thing. Is it's we're going to have awesome. all these questions answered. Um, I, w- I was going to ask maybe about some of these teams that are so far removed from from this conversation. A team like the Spurs kind of uh, making some marginal moves today. Davis Bertans being shipped to Washington. Marcus the Spurs, Morris too, right? And they, yeah. they signed Marcus Morris yeah. and reworked Damari Carroll's deal so that it's now a three-year, $21 million deal. So that... The Spurs seem like a pretty good team in 2009 now, I guess. I mean, they need more guys who can shoot mid-range jumpers. Yeah. Like, they got to double down on that. And the Spurs are another team that's interesting to me because we're talking about like guys like Gallinari and Beal, these players, Kevin Love. If the Spurs are like the 9 or 10 seed in February, do do they think about trading Aldridge or DeRozan? Like those are right. other guys who could become available. I, think they would be, I mean, would they yeah. think about trading Aldridge and DeRozan on Monday? Today, yeah. yeah. I, but I that's mean, what I mean. It's like the, like these teams, like the Lakers could always flip some of the guys they're signing now down the line. The Rockets are going to have options. Like these teams are going to change continuously. Like Portland, it's like you have Hassan White, Whiteside's 20 plus million yeah. dollar contract that can be used yeah. for Kevin Love or whoever comes available. So 
these like there's gonna be another big move that happens during the course of the year. It's just a matter of when and to which team. Any any closing thoughts, Sharks, on the on the state of things? I'm excited, man. LA versus LA, Milwaukee versus Philly. It's so great. great. It's gonna be awesome. Who's so the great. who's the one guy you guys can't wait to watch in summer league right now? Zaire, not Zaire Smith excluded. Um, I watched a little bit, a little bit of him today. Taco Fall. He was awesome, <laughs> man. So the crowd big. was going crazy. It was fantastic. <laughs> He's just so damn big. Zylan Cheatham from the New Orleans Pelicans. He had a good game well. uh, last yeah. night. I, I love me some Zylan Cheatham. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Sharks? I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Costas Adetokounmpo. He had a really impressive first game. Okay. And he's part of the Mavs recruiting pitch 2021, baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they tried it with Boogie's brother. That's or cousin. Right. No, uh, cousin, cousin. Yeah. Cousins is, yeah uh, brother or cousin? Brother. Brother, brother yeah. Cousin so, cousins? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jaleel cousins, they tried with him. Didn't work out. But for, I think Costas can actually play, though. So yeah. so, so you can have uh, Antetokounmpo brothers in Dallas. Giannis and Luca, Yale. baby. It starts mm, here. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this incredibly intimate podcast in my hotel room. Thanks to Craig. Thanks to Kevin. Thanks to Charks. You can read these guys and listen to these guys throughout the next couple of weeks as we continue to sort of take a temperature of the league. And we'll be back with you guys real soon on the Random Podcast Network. 